Of the living thief. Hello and welcome to this week's Giant Sword Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Lind, and with me to my side are my noble and hairy are Taylor Hoyt. Still haven't beaten Cold Steel yet. Yeah, I know, I hate you for it. <laughs> And Connor White. How's it going? I'm not by your side. I am over the interwebs, but I'm happy to join you in spirits. There you go. Just like what in Harry RR spirits. Exactly. Whoa, dude. That's like some total next level kind of stuff right there. We're getting real deep here. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. Anywho, I'm sorry that we were late or two weeks late. Lots of uh, schedules didn't mix up, uh, match up, and I went on vacation. So we're back. We're happy. We're super hyped for all our JRPG. Goodness. Yeah, there's been some big JRPGs coming out, and we're excited to uh, to tell you all about our thoughts and whatnots. Yeah, I was laughing because Nick had mentioned before we started that he's like, "Oh, this might be a short episode today," and I looked at the topic list and was like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a pretty long one. So yeah. Anyways, uh, take it away. Well, you guys, we haven't talked JRPGs for a while, so I want to get. What you guys been doing for a while? What what have you been playing? What what's been interesting interested you? Uh go ahead, Taylor. Uh yeah, so as far as JRPGs go, um I picked up the Dragon Quest seven remake for uh three DS and I haven't put a lot of time into it, frankly. Um I was just messing around with it here and there, but it's it's a really nice looking game. Like if you look at all the games on 3DS, I would say it's one of the better-looking games. Um, what system was that originally for? Was that PS2? It was PS1. Oh, okay, okay. It was called yeah. Dragon Warrior 7, Yeah, right? it was called... That was the last Dragon Warrior before they finally were able to change it to Dragon Quest. For sure, yeah. I'm criminally uh, you know, uneducated on the Dragon Warrior slash Quest uh, world, so... I'm not too far behind. I've only really played 8 and 7 and then some of the spinoffs like Dragon Quest Heroes. Um... But uh, yeah, seven is right now. It's interesting. It's it's so obvious that it's a PS one RPG remake. They they didn't even attempt to try to modernize anything. Um, like it's everything. You can only save at churches, for example. Like you, it doesn't auto save. There's no like open the menu. Uh, good one, Connor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, you can't like open the menu and uh, and just save it wherever. So that's kind of annoying. Like if you've played a while and you're in a town that doesn't have a church or like in the field and you just want to save. Um, but yeah, right now it's all about um, you find this early in the game. You find this temple and uh, you collect these pieces. And once you collect these pieces, you like go back in time and you have to kind of fix it. Um, kind of um, it's, time. Time gets all messed up. Sort of, yeah. You, you're whatever you uh, gather these pieces and put them together. Yeah, you you go and do little adventures back in time, depending on which pieces you put together. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of running around. This the battle systems are very you know straightforward. Um, uh, so it's yeah, if you if you like really old school classic JRPGs, this is for you. It's very meaty. It's very long. Oh my um, God, I- 
But I uh, don't even know why you've been trying to play this game, Taylor. I, you know, I'm like I said, I I have to have a full 3ds collection, and this game will probably never go down in price. So, I bought it with the Amazon always does a 20% discount at launch for games. So I uh, just wanted to pick it up, get it cheaper. Yeah, and the reason why Connor's laughing is because Taylor has a horrible reputation of not finishing his stuff so mm-hmm. well it's also funny just because like you there's so many games that you've been like oh, i'll throw that on my backlog and get around to it and then you like pick up like really random ones but <laughs> yeah. that that's not why i'm laughing i did have a question actually so you mentioned kind of like the art the archaic nature of the game is totally preserved like it's ps1 kind of qualities yeah like does that feel like intentional to kind of keep the original feel of the game or is that just them being like Let's port this over and release it. Whatever you know, like laziness. Um, Dragon Quest ha- is one of those series that, like, I think it likes to be rooted in its old school archaicness, which is maybe not a word, but uh, <laughs> Japan. A word. Japan loves like the grindy, monotonous nature of those games. So I think it was purposefully done that way. Um, or, or do you think the series just kind of carries that nostalgic value of like when you play a Dragon Quest game, you're going to grind and it'll be nostalgic and you'll like it. Right. Like that's yeah. like a that's like an entrenched kind of thing yeah. with eight, the series. It was like that. Have you ever played the DS ones? Mm-mm. No, I have not. No, I think that they're the same. Right. And I have a feeling Dragon Quest Eleven, the new one. Yeah, it's going to be the same as well. Probably. Is it like one of those things where like if a brand new uh, game, new title came out? And it had as much grinding as Dragon Quest, like it would be poo-pooed. And then, but like when it comes out as a Dragon Quest game, everyone knows to expect it, so it's like fine and nobody minds. I think so, yeah, um, because that's kind of what that series is known for. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's fine. Each game has a has a different spin or tries to do new things. Like uh, the Dragon Quest Nine on DS, which I think is the best-selling one. Um, it ha- you know it's a lot of multiplayer. You create your own characters and stuff like that. Um, I believe eight was the first one with voice acting and like quote unquote like open world and whatever. It also starred Gohan. Yeah, the main character looks exactly like Gohan, pretty much, because it's in the art style of Dragon Ball Z, um, which I love. I, right. I, I like I, that art I, style. I, I, that guy's name always slips out of my head. Akira Toriyama. Is yep. that the right guy? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Pardon me. Good memory. Good memory. Um, I tried. But uh, yeah, I'll, I, I honestly don't ever see myself finishing this game, nor did I ever plan to when I bought it. I'm just like, I wanted to support this game. I need all the 3S games and I'll play Was it for a little a, bit. a history lesson for yourself almost? More or less, yeah. Um, I can dig that actually. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And you know, some of the heavy hitter games are coming out very soon. Uh, so, you know, it'll keep me busy till then probably. But uh, that's pretty much all I got unless you guys had other other questions. Well, well, I had mentioned to you before the show that I wanted to have a one-time segment called Connor's a Fucking Idiot uh, <laughs> because like, you all know that Xenogears is like one of my favorite games of all time. I never shut up about it. And so Xenosaga is the game that came out a long time after that. And the name, or not a long time, but on PS2, you know, mm-hmm. long enough after it where it's like, is it a sequel? Is it? you know spiritually a sequel is it connected it's kind of like if you haven't played the game you don't really know so uh i always kind of never really liked xenosaga because i'd given it uh, a playthrough years back and i got a couple hours in and i really wasn't sticking at all i wasn't feeling it so i, I was like oh, i guess it's just not the same huh? and i shelved it but just you know randomly a couple months ago i saw a copy of it real cheap at a 
a thrift gaming shop. And so I, p- I picked up a copy of Xenosaga and I was like, you know what, I'll give it another spin. I was kind of young when I tried to play last time. It's the spiritual successor to Xenogears. Like, it deserves my attention, right? Like, even if I don't like it that much, I should at least beat it just to, you know, say that I did. Of course. So, uh, so I get home and I pop it in and I'm like, yeah, maybe all the stuff I found monotonous last time won't bug me this time or something or it'll just be more disciplined. And I started the game up and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this before. And I keep going. I'm like, wow, I don't remember this. Wow, last time it didn't start like this. And I realized that the last time I tried to play Xenosaga, I actually played a different like game in the series, like episode two or three or something. <laughs> and I thought it was the original one. And I, either those games aren't as good or they just don't make sense without having played the ones before them. But I didn't like that game. And I'm like two, three hours into Xenosaga. And I'm like, this is actually really sick. Like, the main character, Shion, has the same last name as Saiten from Xenogears, who's, like, the best character in that game. Like, and so to think, because it's set far in the future from where Xenogears is, so to think that the main character might somehow be, like, related to Saiten, like, I just got all my Xeno juices flown. So I guess this, this short segment is just to say that I will be reporting on what I think of Xenosaga to come with very earnest interest because it is one of my favorite like quote unquote series of all time. It's kind of like murky on like the level of connection between the games, but I'm super psyched and I feel like a goddamn idiot for playing a different game in the series and thinking it was the original one. <laughs> but now you're like, yes, more Xeno gears. Exactly. It's like discovering that one of your favorite albums of all time, like had a secret second, like, you know, disc. <laughs> and it's like, Oh my God. So yeah, I'll let you know, but I'm chomping at the bit to talk about the news items, so let's dive right into those, Nicholas. All right, let's move on to the Persona 5 news that Taylor's been itching to talk about. So, Taylor? Yeah, so... You know, I think there's a cream for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out. I gotta, I gotta get a refill. Um, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Persona 5 came out last week in... Uh, no, two weeks ago in Japan at this point. It came out... September 15th um, and uh, I remember talking to Nick we were uh, we were doing something the other night and I was like I bet you Persona 5 sells 500,000 in one week or in its first week and uh, you know, I thought that was you know based on how you games have sold stars? a little bit like I honestly I hadn't ever seen what it sold in Japan but I know like the zenith is you know stuff like yokai watch and pokemon those games will sell in the neighborhood of like somewhere like 700,000 to a couple million depending on what the game is mm-hmm. and so i'm like i think 500,000's like acceptable for persona 5 especially because it's so hyped up there hasn't been a new one in a really long time um Japan loves it. And yeah, Japan eats that stuff up. And so Okay, so you're saying like the ceiling is super high for like these uh these rpgs like in the east but like what's like the floor are there a lot of games that like floppers are just general there are like so it's really funny to look at games like these hyper dimension neptunia games or the atelier games like some of those only sell like 10 they'll be lucky to sell ten thousand week one in japan or something like that they just don't do very well um hmm. and what's compared to america right which what I that's what I find really interesting. I almost feel like Persona Five is going to sell better in the West because there's just more people. Well, and plus, like the seed that's been planted by like their games coming out and like kind of being popular over here for a while, like that tree is like growing to be quite large. And 
it's about time to harvest. So I think it will be pretty huge in the West. Of the month. Like I agree with you completely. Totally. Um, so to get to right to the point, so the the actual number is they've sold about three hundred and thirty eight thousand copies week one. So not quite five hundred thousand, but it is the best um, week one sales for any Persona game. Uh, the next closest was the original Persona on PlayStation One. Whoa, uh, which that's crazy. I know, right? Like that's not what I was expecting. I figured it would be like a steady, like a steady crescendo going up. Yeah, like, so I have some interesting stats that are some interesting points that I, you know, I was reading some things on NeoGAF that I'll get to in a minute. Um, but so Persona, the original, sold two hundred one thousand uh, in week one, and I believe that is the best selling. Uh, Persona game to date, which is crazy. You'd think it'd be four or one of the remakes, but apparently, um, a couple. Well, web- this is all like opening sales, right? No, all, all time. The original Persona is the best-selling Persona game of all time. Seriously? Yeah, I didn't. Wow. I I had no idea. Um, but you know, I, I I went to a lot of like fan sites, and NeoGaf had this like really um uh, like deep deep list of information and stuff like that. So I believe, um. The original Persona, it peaked at around 391,000 sales or something like that. So Persona 5 Good is... Good Lord. Persona 5 is going to beat it next week. Like, it, it, it will. It's only 60,000 copies away from becoming the best-selling Persona game. And that's after only... After a week. Yeah, after... Isn't that crazy? Only after, like, a week, which is nuts. Yeah, um, nuts, man. And by, by the time this podcast comes out, the new... Um, uh, Japan has this really great... Uh, tracker thing called uh, media create and actually track it week to week very exact numbers so by the time this podcast comes out we'll probably have the new sales information and it will probably have been you know now it's the best-selling persona game or whatever um but i I do kind of want to dig into into like why uh the original persona sold um sold so well and somebody brought up a good point that you know, Persona One came out in the what I would like to call the the golden age of JRPGs, where like every week, like an amazing gem of a game was coming out. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like any company could just put out an RPG and if uh, JRPG, and if it was of some decent quality, people were just going to eat it up. And so I think that that was what their theory was that that you know it just came out at the right time and it was unique from you know Final Fantasy and Tales and whatever. That mm-hmm. And it was it was like kind of it was still when turn based strategy was the standard for RPGs, right? Yeah. But turn based strategy had been around for a while, so it had gotten to a point where the system had gotten really refi- refined, and like it was at a point where like so many new companies and new developers could create really cool new battle systems, building on like all the innovations that games before them had made. So it was kind of like not that near the end of the life of turn-based RPGs, but it was definitely like approaching the high watermark for like when their battle systems were the most creative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, uh, we never got the, so there were two persona twos, uh, in Japan. We only got one of them and eventually we got the sequel on PSP, but, um, yeah, it was, it was, a it like peaked at persona one. And then I think the next one, they don't, they didn't sell bad, but they, it just never got there. And it slowly over time, like the sales rose, and I think um, I think. Persona- Do you think the massive hype of the first one kind of like uh, 
like the second one couldn't possibly live up to it, like a la Final Fantasy seven to eight. I just think people didn't know what it was, and they're like, "Oh, it's a JRPG. I'm going to buy that," and because it, it was a new series, so they wanted to uh, give it a shot. I got you. I get what you're saying. And they knew what it was, and like, okay, this isn't wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. It, not that it's bad, but you know, we'll give it a shot. And then, you know, Persona sort of reinvented itself on PS2. It had a new series director, and they added social links and all that. I, I mean, Persona, anything from Persona 3 on might as well be a different series because Persona 1 and 2 are like, like... Completely different. Yeah, they're like almost unrecognizable outside of you use demons to fight with and you're in high school. <laughs> is uh, it, like, in what ways do you think? Is it more, like, dark or, like, macabre? Because I, I remember, like, reading the reviews back in the day, like, in, you know, in a PSM or whatever back when, you know, in their heyday. I remember thinking, those, like, oh, that game looks kind of creepy, you know? Because like, I'm, a, I'm a younger kid at that point, too, but, like, that was my only real takeaway, really, from seeing like pictures from the game and you know hearing about the concept of it yeah i want to say i mean I, I haven't played those so i don't know exactly but i mean the subtitles were persona 2 eternal punishment and persona 2 innocent sin so like <laughs> i i think just straight from the titles it's probably got you know a lot of heaven and hell going on there right exactly um but yeah i, I mean ob- i think obviously persona 5 will go on to become the best-selling game in the series in Japan. And what, what I find really fascinating is that they're finally getting away from the PS3. Um, the, the the split for sales were um, PS4 sold, had uh, 260, basically 265,000 copies sold. And on PS3, it was only 73,000. So I think Japan is finally coming around to the fact that uh, you know PS4 is the way to go. Uh, just had a price drop and the slim just came out. So also the sales for PS4 were like insane. Um, Do you think that coincided with this, or was that just like a happy coincidence? N- no, I th- I think this was. Uh, I think I, I think gamers were waiting to buy a PS4. Uh, it just happened to be the same week that Persona Five came out, I guess. Um, and we, you know, me and Nick watched the uh, the Tokyo Games Show stream, and there was a Persona Five bundle. So I I, I bet you. There were a lot of bundles sold um, that came mm. with Persona Five and stuff like that. So for sure, a lot of guys who are on the fence and say, and then when they see the bundle, they go, "Ah, you know, heck it, I'll take the plunge." Yep. Totally. Um, and, and just one last point on this. So, uh, uh, so one thing I've come to discover is that uh, Japan is uh, unusually harsh on Amazon reviews for whatever reason. Uh, so when they buy a, a video game and they go and rate it, they usually rate it like extra harshly. Um, but I went on to check the Persona 5 reviews just for the heck of it. I'm like, okay, obviously it's the top selling game on Amazon, but it's also really highly rated, which is unusual. So I think... It's like getting a good Rotten Tomatoes score. B- yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so I think... You know, I haven't read specific spoilers, but from every person I know that I follow on Twitter that's imported the game, they said they're loving it. It's amazing. The reviews are, uh, you know, the user reviews in Japan are going uh, well. It's selling well. So I think it just bodes well for the series. I'm I'm really hoping that it, it turns the corner. And I, I'm like, I'm trying to call it the, um, I'm hoping Persona 5 is that series Final Fantasy VII moment where it really breaks into the mainstream and people care about it, but yeah, it's like, yo, bitch, like we are officially here. Like we've been here, we've been here for a while, like sharpening our weapons and perfecting our game, but now we are officially here. Exactly, time to pay attention, uh, and that might right. just be wishful thinking on my part since Persona, you know, four is my favorite game, and I want five to be awesome, but you never know. I'm just gonna be amazed if you finish it. 
And Nick, Nick keeps thinking I'm not going to finish it, but uh, Dude, how could that possibly be, Nick? You know that, like when it's in Taylor's like canon of favorite games, that he always, not only does he beat them, he beats them in a very studious and uh, expedient fashion. I have no idea because uh, I, I, I <laughs> he's going to buy it, he's going to play, it, and then he's going to be like, "Oh my god, Horizon Zero Dawn's out." I gotta play that now, and then he's gonna forget about. Persona no, dude, 5. Persona Five is one hundred times more of a Taylor game than Horizon Zero Dawn is. Trails of Cold Steel is a Taylor game, and he's not playing that. You know, I don't know if it is. It, it's... Yeah, I don't, <laughs> t- Nick. I don't. I think you just want Trails of Cold Steel to be everyone's game, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it is not, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking I of, w- I wish I was there in the room with you, so I could just look you right in the goddamn eye, <laughs> just glare him down. <laughs> Well, speaking of Trails of Cold Steel, the second one came out recently, and Nick's been playing it, and he's he's been teasing that he's going to be vague, but I'm hoping you know Nick can share some type of opinion or thoughts on the game. Uh, knowing being... knowing Nick, he's going to be like, "It's good, <laughs> I, I, it's good." I can't really wow, I can't really good. can't really talk about story things or anything. I can't talk about. I couldn't. I can't talk just about certain mechanics because it'll give it away. No, Nick. Actually, you won't talk about certain mechanics. Yeah, yeah I There's won't because it's a huge spoiler for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's. I know that's good. So I, do don't, I can't do that. I'm um, proud of you. Trails of Cold Steel Two. Uh, I've put seventy eight hours into it. Jeez. I am like on the final boss. I'm pretty sure right now. Like my. Vita is on standby mode, and I'm on the so, battle right now. So to be clear, it's not an 80-hour game, is it? You've just done a bunch of extra shit? It's an 80-hour game. Ooh, we got to say with mouth today. Well, uh, it's a, literally an 80-hour game? Yes. Okay, well, well uh, okay. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of stuff to do in that game. Um, do they pay me money at the end? Uh, it gives you a good experience. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Although if you think of it in a... Uh, like, monetary efficiency terms like that's a lot of bang for your buck i mean you're looking at price towards the amount of content i speak trails cold steel one is 70 hours so wait how come you were trying to pressure us to beat that game like two weeks before this came out then i just want you to play it and make sure to beat it <laughs> did, did you think i had a shot at beating that game i, like, I, I didn't think 70 you, hours in I, two weeks? I don't think you'd be able to beat it before the game came uh, out i just want you to beat it so i could freaking talk about the game with you guys got it well uh working on it <laughs> yeah, exactly or, slowly but surely or something um, uh, i occasionally walk by uh my psp and look at it i mean that's progress right mm-hmm. i spent i think i've spent well on my vacation i spent like hours just playing this game mm-hmm. um what is this the thing i like about it is just especially this one the uh, this one the world opens up and Taylor, you get to pick your own party members. Oh, finally! So it's the same party members except for more more, uh, more role or new ones. Okay, but um, but this time you get to choose them. But some like some missions require you to use a certain character. Okay. as well. But you're able to choose like a specific group every time. So, um, okay, but um, that's good. Uh, the world opens up, so you're able to explore like every because I can't talk about it. Because it just <laughs> it um it opens up. You're able to explore now. It's not like you know you go onto a mission. You go onto like a field study and do this. It's just here are this these places we could go. There's all these missions here. You could talk to these people in town, see what's up. You could find new uh, special 
uh, secret missions and everything like that, and you just explore this entire time. You can find secrets that um, uh, secret areas where you could explore, and there's like you know a hidden uh, boss there that you could fight, and you can just get an experience, and it's like, hey, I did that now, and then you realize, oh, I had to go there later on in the story, and I've already done it. So, so so you're st- what I'm hearing is that they like expanded the game outwards in all the right places. Yeah, it. it, it it's not as like streamlined as like do a mission you got free time do a mission you got a free time it's more just like do what you want type do what of thing. you want you have these missions to do uh, there's a uh, and then um, there's these required missions and sometimes there's like you know we have to go on this mission mm-hmm. and then it's like once you do this mission all the other missions and all the secret stuff that you get you could do or just you can't do them anymore so you want to do those first mm-hmm. or you can just continue okay um, is the game visually identical? It's to his predecessor, or is it? Un- yes, uh, it is unrecognizably different. It's this. It's it's the same. It's literally the like the sequel. It's it's been uh, the animations are way better. Like I oh, know. So just just the FMVs are are upgraded. No, the animation like the animations for your like attacking. Oh, and oh, okay. like oh nice. Okay. So I know how some some animations in the first one are like stiff. These ones are like more way more animated. And yeah, they, look, they definitely kind of looked like uh, skeletons in the last one, you know, just like kind of in the way that they moved. Yeah, when, the first thing I noticed when I started this game was like, ooh, Reen moves a lot different now. It's not this very rigid run. Yeah, it now, he, now like he's clearly now, like yeah, a cycle. He, okay. Yeah. So I noticed a lot more uh, a lot more polish in that area. Uh, the story is, is really good. Uh, it continues out right after one. Um, right in the feels? Right in the feels, yeah. Are oh. you expecting a magnificent finish? Because that's like the moment of truth, man. I know you're a big ending guy. Okay, so I, you know, how you could choose your bonding. You bond, you have bond points, and you get to choose who sure. you know, right? And I choose a, sp- I chose a specific path to do. I can't tell, I can't tell you what it is. Uh-huh. But um, are we talking about WMDs or something, man? Keeping all this top secret information? No, it's a story. It's story stuff that I can't give away. Um, but. I wanted this to happen in the first game as a joke. I'm like, man, this better happen. It'll be amazing because they make it seem like it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, uh, like in two, it happens, and I'm like, yes, that's funny. It, <laughs> I was like, thank you, Falcom. They just you, what, they gl- just, you uh, glorious bastards. They <laughs> hung you over the ledge and then finally gave you what you were waiting for. I was just like, I, I, no, I didn't even expect it. I'm like, no, there's no way this could happen. It's it. it there's no. It's like that's just weird and but they threw hints at you the entire time all of time. a sudden shazam it's like bam you're like yes it happened mm-hmm. got you right there fred shout out bilber but yeah it's like so you choose like uh the like you choose your party members and the story changes or you get different like aspects from different characters viewpoints because that character might not be there if you're doing that story mission. It could be someone completely different. And they have something completely different to say, mm, or like okay. that's always uh, so good. And it's then you, you like things. The cooler things is like if you pick the right characters, like the person that your antagonist is like directly related to them. Like they have like a beef. Oh, so that's like man. now the story is even bigger. Like you, they're like you know their hmm. banter is even stronger. It's it's. You could tell do, when do those do those affect the ultimate outcome of the story, or are they just like fun little extras? They're just you know you get to learn more about the character pretty much. Okay, um, sweet, but the choices you make do like matter in uh, or like the choices you make in the first one carry over to the second one. No way. So wow. if you like, if you chose uh, a certain thing, you'll notice the scene is different because it's focused on that choice. So. Hmm. A lot of those. That happens like right at the beginning of the game, and you're just like, ha, cool. 
<laughs> nice. Um, oh, I wish I could talk to you about the other stuff, but it's just... Um, All right, we get it. We got to play the damn game. I just get to the end of the first one. Did the, do and, you realize what kind of ask that is? I know. I'm not saying I won't do it. Just, just to get to the end of the first one, you'll be it. You'll see the ending, and you'll be like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> All right. Well, if I don't say "Holy crap," I'm coming for you. All right. No, you're gonna be say, you're gonna say "Holy crap," and then you have to imagine what it felt like to know that you had to wait a year for the sequel. All right. Well, but if it doesn't live up to uh, what you're trying to set it up to be right now, come to your house with flyers and blowtorches. Oh, I, they enhance the ma- the materia system, the quartz system, which is like a materia system. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they um like added new uh, new like uh, battle systems. Like there's this thing called the overdrive, where you're able to uh, you're with your linked character, uh, your characters that are linked, you're able to go three. Three mo- uh, three turns in a row. Oh wow! And uh, spells automatically cast, and each time you attack, you automatically get a critical, so you're able to do a link attack or whatever. Um, so you just string together these massive death combos. Yes, uh, it takes a while for you to fill up those meter that meter, but it's so useful in a pinch. Um, but uh, the way you could create, you could cr- like customize your characters to play a certain way, and you could make them so two characters combo each other perfectly and i comboed my special team my special team so well that every battle i was able to just to kill like main secret bosses like boss chests like oh jeez in like one kill <laughs> and one one awesome combo and it's always just so sick to watch like you could skip the animations mm-hmm. to make the battles go by faster and i watch them every single time because they're just so cool <laughs> I, just, I, I love doing that so much. I I I think I broke the game. Nothing with, like a with, great with, combo with my combo. Like nothing could touch me. It was great. Nick destroyed the game. Well, if it's you over. need any tips, uh, email us at Ask Giant Sword Podcast. Whatever it is. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess not really. He'll yeah. probably give you tips. If you email definitely give you tips. Oh, Sweet. Just yeah, Trails Cold Steel Two. It is a unique taste, but if you like Persona, and you like anime, and you like JRPGs, it's perfect. Okay. It Nick, just, I, I would like to think, sorry, just yeah. to go back a little bit, I would like to think that you could have a separate email address attached to the podcast, just where people ask you for tips on JRPGs, <laughs> and you just have a bot, you know, like answer for you, and all of them just say, it just, anytime someone emails, it just says, learn to play, you goddamn <laughs> casual. LTP. But yeah. yeah, um Taylor, I know where you're at in the game and it's right where the story starts up. Like you don't even know what the main enemy is yet. Oh snap. Okay. Yeah, well, so. I'll have to maybe get around to that. You hear, <laughs> you hear that Taylor, your life's never going to be the same once you oh, get to that part. Snap. I told I told you Wait for it. You need to do you just you play it like right when you're about to go to bed instead of watching some YouTube, watching some Netflix, you play the game for about an hour and you're set. There okay. you go. You know, you know a funny thing about that, Nick. What is that? This is America. Yeah, and I can do whatever the hell I want. <laughs> guys, job I'm talk. Just job, I'm gonna, job, play, I'm gonna no, play the game. Job talk right now. If you guys don't finish this RPG, you're fired. Oh snap! All right. Oh my god. So <laughs> I'm petrified. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and ask me. It's, yeah. So I, I'm gonna throw a curveball in here. This is we usually write notes. I don't have any notes, but I. 
I had a curveball. I wanted to bring this up because it was a recent happening. So Tokyo Game right Show in. recently happened. And typically in years past, this has been a JRPG fan's like, yes, oh man, oh my God, I can't wait. I can't wait for the press conference. I can't wait for the new stuff that comes out. But slowly but surely, at least to me, I feel like Tokyo Game Show has like faded into irrelevance. Like this year... When the the press conference was about to start, everybody on Twitter was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait! This is going to be amazing." And I'm like, "It's going to be boring. It's going to be a bunch of Western games. They're going to talk about Final Fantasy 15. They're going to talk about the Slim. There's like going to be really nothing of value." And really, the two biggest announcements were um, Neo, which is basically like a samurai-looking Dark Souls kind of copy kind of game from to- Ko- Koei Tecmo, is coming out in February next year okay. w- worldwide, and they're making like this. Uh, Musou all-star game so like Dynasty Warriors it's like one character from every so there's like the Ninja Gaiden Ninja one of the Atelier Alchemist girls there's uh, somebody from Dead or Alive and it's all in this one super Musou mix-up game and you're also you're also specifically talking about the PlayStation event of TGS sure Uh, so that was the PlayStation conference but just in general I really found no interesting news, no new game announcements that really shocked me. Um, it was all it was, it was just kind of like, "Hey Japan, here's what's happening. We're not going to announce any cool new Japanese games." At least th- that's what I had come to expect in in the years past. But now I'm just like, it's irrelevant, which is sad because I really used to look forward to that. I don't think there's been a wait. Sorry, go ahead. I don't think there's been a relevant TGS since like. Tales of Destiny Director's Cut was coming out for the PS2. Like I, I wouldn't I, I go. Didn't I, even know that came out. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say it's been at least five years since it really I, I, mattered. I just that's I just remember when watching Tokyo Game Show footage of uh, Tales uh, tri- the Tales of Destiny PS2 remake. That's mm-hmm. what I was saying, um, and that was like it looked like E3, and there's all this all these like JRPG announcements and all these cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not like that anymore. It's, no, it's way smaller and very like. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like it feels like it's uh, trying to push Western games to the Japanese audience. Yeah, more. exactly. Yeah, interesting. But this is a, a an LSG topic, Taylor. No, but, yeah, I, but, I, but I'm just no. Saying. I think I think I think it's not because it's he's kind of ringing the death knell for what used to be such a prominent thing for JRPGs where it is not any longer, so it bears mentioning. Well, then the the thing that's kind of unfortunate and is that Nintendo has kind of done this thing where they like they're just they just don't go to shows anymore. Like they don't go to E three or they go to E three but they don't have a traditional press conference. They don't go to Gamescom really or maybe they do, I don't know. They don't have a big presence if they do. They mm-hmm. they don't go you to would have noticed them if they did, no. They just kind of do their own thing and they I mean, I don't really remember any anything massive coming out of TGS for the 3DS, or the, obviously the NX is around the corner. I, they didn't. Is it around the corner? I don't know. Supposedly, I mean, it's supposed to come out in March. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to like kind of touch on that real quick. How it's it's kind of sad. Like I remember they, last year, they didn't show any of the stuff that we wanted to see, like Nino Kuni Two mm-hmm. and the Final Fantasy VII remake and Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah, That's I thought th- they just. There's a lot of JRPGs out there. They just didn't show yeah. anything. And those are TGS. those are all huge titles that are looming in the distance that are like you would imagine would be really easy to at least scare up a little bit of teaser footage just to make people go crazy. It's like it seems kind of obvious that that would be the right move, but what could be stopping that from happening? Is is it is it just uh, like you said, like the Western game powers who 
I imagine just by, you know, the economy of the U.S. versus, like, Japan's, like, is, you know, more powerful just because it's larger. The mon- yeah, the, so, mon- the money uh, is I don't want to talk too much about, you know, things I don't know, but that's my assumption. And so it's like you can imagine how they could kind of strong arm their way into, you know, the way that things used to be done to, in order to change them to favor, you know, their titles. I'm pretty sure Final Fantasy VII Remake and Nino Kuni 2 are going to be shown at PSX because that's where I, they were last shown I hope last so. time. I hope so, yeah. And um, uh, I'm pretty sure if they're shown, we're going to see a demo of FF7 on stage. That'd be amazing. And then we're going to see uh, like probably a new trailer on Nino Kuni 2 and it might be playable. Because they haven't shown that at all for a whole year, so they, it's, that's crazy to me. Also, it's like I, I don't know. I'm I'm not there in the trenches working on the game, so obviously, when it comes to that, I I don't have a frame of reference. But it's like in a year, you can't just give something to whet people's appetites, or I don't know. There must be some other, you know, some other forces in play that I don't have the uh, the know how to locate that keep it from from happening. It's well, like just a couple week, a couple, you know, like a minute long trailer, or something, or just like a little gameplay even if you're just running around or something well the am i crazy no i mean i think that totally makes sense and i think i'd like to think everybody wants to do what bethesda did with fallout they're like we announced it at e3 comes out in november we'll see in six months like yeah boom bitch here you go because there's no time for people to like get too hyped up and lose their hype or like do these weird like d or like uh downgrade comparisons it's just like and like the, the the pr trails that lead up to the release of huge games like that. It's like, it's not always just up and up and up. It's like, there can be stumbles and there can be screw ups. And it's like, it's not a guaranteed thing that the long, the more time that passes, the more the hype will grow. Like it can fall and fall off where like, like you're saying, like the Zenith of the game was like releasing it like right after it was announced when the hype was still really fresh. Not like after it had a ton of time to kind of die. Also, they probably want to keep all the hype on Final Fantasy Fifteen. Right, that was my thought too. And yeah. once that comes out, then we'll get like a truckload of information on all the new stuff that from Square Enix. That, I like that theory. Yeah, because they also have Kingdom Hearts three to show. They haven't shown that off in a year and a half. The last thing I remember them showing was E three last year. Um, so they technically they have shown off Kingdom Hearts three with that two point eight game. I mean that's that's Kingdom Hearts 3's engine. The I mean it's the one. engine, but not the actual game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I mean it's like damn, like the way I see it, like I know so many people who are into Kingdom Hearts who never really gave a crap about Final Fantasy. And it's like in a way, I could see the demographic for Kingdom Hearts like being almost as sprawling as Final Fantasy because I feel like Final Fantasy's fan base is a more niche one, but they're much more you know fanatical. Whereas I feel like Kingdom Hearts had so much like widespread appeal. Like I know a ton of like female gamers who beat kingdom hearts and never really gave a crap about other rpgs you know so it's like it's crazy to me like i like i like your theory nick that it's like to hype 15 more but it's like it's kind of crazy like kingdom hearts 3 deserves hype like that's a game that appeals to a ton of people like kingdom hearts wanted to have such a legion of fans like diverse fans that's why they were showing 2.8 yeah i I think that's also part of the problem i did not see yeah i think that's also part of the problem is that each series they have both those series have two games that have yet to release and so i think they can't advertise all four at the same time they have to have the one in each series that is coming out soonest and once those are both out then maybe we'll start like nick said getting a truckload of you know updates and footage and honestly like i think we 
based on how much footage they showed of Final Fantasy VII Remake last year, I think that game's a lot closer than people think. Like, everybody's like, oh, 2025, we'll, we'll like, get it when we're dead or whatever. We're, like, We're probably going to get it. We're probably... The best case scenario is that we're going to get a release date at PSX this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was fall 2017, 20th anniversary, you know, because it came out in 1997 in the, in the West. And Dude, that's hanging right there. That's juicy. I mean, I think that's totally feasible, and then I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is either in that talk or early 2018. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. That's going to be juicy. Juicy. Well, our RIP Tokyo Game Show for the purposes of hardcore JRPG fans such as ourselves. Yeah. I do think conferences in a whole are kind of dying because of the internet. Yeah, I hate the leak culture of everything. Everything gets leaked, so there's no surprises, but... Well, it's funny because it's it's like the media that's reporting on it that's really to blame for that because all these guys are, all these journalists like it's not their fault like they have to further themselves in their field by getting, like the jump on these like announcements you know it's like they they get their careers going like that like it's the same in sports too where, all the writers are always battling to get the first dibs on really hot pieces of information because it advances you in your field to be able to break them like that it's like Got that it. what that kind of competitive field can definitely foster a culture where you can't keep any damn secrets gotta get those clicks yeah Yeah. exactly all right exactly well i mean people just love to be surprised and be shocked me oh what now what you know as they're on the go in their lives you know getting buzzes on their phone and stuff Mm -hmm. totally so speaking of final fantasy Mm -hmm. we're going to fan questions and we got a pretty juicy question yeah this is going to be a meaty one or at least i hope it is (laughs) so let me let me put it out for you let me and Say do it. you have the name of who asked the question? I do. It's okay. at the end of the question. Oh, okay. Ugh. All right. We're so organized. Wow. You I all, just. <laughs> you all have been put in charge of the next entry of the Final Fantasy series. You all being us. Yes. Think about specifically what you expect FF16 needs to do to stay relevant if it's coming out in 2021. Following up, following up FF15 and the FF7 remake. All right. Well, let me interrupt you right there because really... The first interesting part of this uh, thought experiment is that we have to make a ton of assumptions about how Final Fantasy 15 was received, you know, because we're like leapfrogging that and we're in charge of FF16. And so I guess before we go on with the other parameters of the question, I wanted to ask you guys, would you guys expect him to be doing some kind of continuation of the, the story from FF15 or would you just do something completely unique kind of like you know from Final Fantasy 7 to 8 to 9 where it's just a different universe every time this is FF16 so I think it's going to be a completely new story that's my vote oh by the way we're doing this as like we all have to come to a consensus on these answers right like we three are the team and we have to agree right. I, yeah. I think that would be more a more fun exercise I, I totally agree all right, let me, uh, let me so just... I, I'm in agreement I think it should be a classic Final Fantasy style where you keep all the key elements of the game, Moogles, Chocobos, Fire, Bolt, Ice, Ultima, Flare, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, completely different characters, completely different world. Yep, totally. But, because my my thing with Final Fantasy is I always imagined it as, like, a bunch of different worlds that are in the same, like, galaxy, you know? Hmm, that's a good way of thinking about it, yeah. And uh, and there's a bunch of, like, like, the universal, like, laws of physics, you know, I could apply... In generally the same way across all the planets, there's like some elemental magics that you can harness and there's these like ancient spirits, you know, that you can summon and stuff, but they're all just different planets in the same galaxy. But anyways, so uh, let me continue on. Here are some areas to consider. 
you all have you all have been put in charge for the next. Oh wait, you just said the same thing. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It says that twice in a row. Yeah. So here's some areas to consider: staff. Staff. Who do you want to be directing this game? Setting, sci-fi, oh, wait, let's fantasy. Do, let's do it. Let's do it one one let, by one. Let me just continue the, the. Let me just say the entire question, and then all right, we can all right, do all right. it. Uh, battle system. ATB action and time battle system is that what it's called? Yeah, and then real time action story focus on a political plot love story adventure. Five classic elements. Will you be putting a big focus on Moogles, Chocobos, crystals, or set them aside? Try to make something that you expect Square Enix will agree on, and not just our own dream game. Hmm, that would be hard. Also, I want to say that he's been loving the show and would like to encourage us to be playing play more games like back of the box Thanks. i am totally game we just got to find uh we got to seems like we've made some missteps in picking picking the last couple games for the back of the box challenge but i am completely on board with uh continuing that yeah. totally we need more games and uh that and is thanks for the love dude thanks yeah. for the love big time and uh, appreciate the thoughtful deep question mm-hmm. that's from ian at alexander arts Whoop. okay so Number one, staff. Who do we want directing the game? Um, I, I, you know what's really funny is I think between the three of us, we don't really know a lot of the actual staff members at Square. Hironobu Sakaguchi. Sakaguchi. Okay, <laughs> Bring back Sakaguchi. So that would be interesting because he's no longer... He, uh, I think after the movie The Spirits Within, they, I don't know if he left or he got let go. I don't know what it is. But he went off and started uh, Mist Walker and did... You know, Blue Dragon, Lost Odyssey, La- Last Story, things like that. Um, well, couldn't give a crap about those, but all I know is his body of work with Square when I was a young man. Exactly. Like I think that would be, I think that would almost be a good marketing thing. You know what I mean? Like, hey, the father of Final Fantasy is back to direct the next entry in the series. Like that, I actually would kind of be down for that idea because the only other two directors that I know, well, I guess three. There's three directors, right? So we've got. Um, Tetsuya Nomura, who's on the Final Fantasy VII remake and Kingdom Hearts three, so forget him; he needs a break. Um, yeah, we got some new blood in here. We're trying to be creative. Let's do. Uh, how, about, how about this? Let's just name me the director. How about that? You guys in? Let's do. Uh, Nobody. Hiro Yuki <laughs> Ito. Oh, he directed Tactics, right? He directed Tactics uh, nine, twelve, and. Six. Okay. Yep. That's that's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for the, sure. him. What's what's his full name? Uh, Hiroyuki Ito. Hiroyuki Ito. All right. I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that, but that's what. All right. I'm... All right. Well, he, he's uh, our director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know much about Hiroyuki, but uh, or I didn't know much about him, but all I know is that's my boy right there. I mean, he, to direct. I may both... have I may have just learned his name, but that's my guy. I mean, I mean, nine and twelve and tactics. <laughs> and, Dang, son. Let's... Let's, how about we just put him and Hironobu in a cage match and just let Mother Nature decide who's uh, you know <laughs> who, who's the fittest? What do you guys think? That we'll, be... make him do it, we'll make him do it turn-based style. He has to go in turns. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> <Just> take, <laughs> take turns kicking each other in the groin, punch each other in the face. Uh... Uh, I digress. I apologize. <laughs> All, right, uh, so All right. So are we going with Hiro Yuki? Hiro Yuki, I would say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot. Of, he's directed a lot of games that are your favorites, our favorites. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah, the thing about his particular batch of games that he was involved in is that none of those are clunkers. Like, there have no. been kind of <laughs> clunkers, like, scattered around in the Final Fantasy, uh, you know, canon. But 
none of those are him. And some of those are, like you said, some of the best that have come out. So uh, that's definitely like the Ivalice theme. Hmm, it's almost even tempting to kind of revisit that and set it in the world of Ivalice, but that's a thought for another day. Well, <laughs> we can. We can. Uh, speaking of setting, do you want it to be sci-fi, modern, fantasy? What do you want to do? I think what we discussed kind of before the podcast started was that I think grounded in fantasy, but have sci-fi elements like uh, like airships or guns or robots or things things of that nature, but generally. Have it be fantasy? I mean, do I'll, we still kind of agree on that? I wanted mm-hmm. to, I, yeah. want, I wanted to be like super fantasy, like like what? Just like medieval fantasy and like uh, old old school. Yeah, old oh, old then, school. Okay. Oh, and then uh, Make, like some sometime uh, like the action of the stories, like some super super futuristic type stuff is discovered or it comes crashing to earth or something and it like turns their whole world upside down. So that way it has like the fantasy elements and the sci-fi elements which is like a prerequisite of being a final fantasy game you can look at pretty much all of them and it has some kind of element of quote unquote futuristic and quote unquote but here's medieval. the big here's the big question is your hometown burned down <laughs> uh that's a good question uh yeah I, I like that idea it's like you know it's fantasy super fantasy and then like they discover like an ancient civilization that has like airships and stuff like that yeah, exactly. Or some alternate, you know, uh, to come in contact with some alternate, you know, civilization or something, a culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're just conjecturing. We're not going to like nail down some plot right now. But yeah. these are awesome ideas. Like uh, it'll, it'll give almost us- to kind of mix the futuristic and fantasy thing. Like almost kind of like Xenogears did, where there's like this hyper advanced civilization that's like policing the whole world, but they're like hiding in the sky and like nobody on the surface has any idea. They're all like living in basically like medieval con- conditions. All these futuristic overseers like float invisible in the sky. I don't know. Sorry, I th- thought that was always a cool concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll go one by one. Let's let's talk about the battle system next. Um, so it's either ATV a- a- or real time, or we could think of our own. Of course, Nick's going to say, "I want the Tales of Destiny uh, remake That's battle system." <laughs> That's real time, and no. <laughs> um, For Final Fantasy, I would want. Turn based, but I want turn based modernized. See, I wouldn't want turn turn based. I feel like there's multiple ways to do to modernize a turn based system. So, do you have any uh, like concrete, like kind of ideas on how you would do that, Nick? I would like, like you know how some games the battle system there's like no strategy involved at all. You just press a button and you kill them. You know, you keep hmm. pressing it and make sure you don't die. I want to yeah. have I want to have like strategy. Like I want I want using haste. Using shell or protect to be essential actually needs to be done, sure. Or, or you'll get you'll get wrecked. You, That's, you, well, Final Fantasy twelve really pulled that off nicely. Where if you're not using all those peripheral like support spells, then you really really feel it. I feel like, and there's not many Final Fantasies that really were like that. I feel like in most Final Fantasies, you only really need to use protect shell haste, etc. Like for super hard end game content or just bosses. Like other than that, you could just coast. Those are my. Those are my, the most fun battle systems. Is when you have to use like support spells because it's like, <clears> oh, I have a character that only has support spells, and the battle system I never need to use them. Well, you're useless. Yeah, right, yeah. Like in Final Fantasy XII, like you'll just be running around the field looking for something, and all of a sudden there's like a, a Marlboro Over King comes at you, and you're like, ah, oh, crap, and you got to put protect on everybody. And like cast haste on everybody and like all this stuff, you got to prepare. Like it's not just 
So I'm like, oh man, I guess I'll cast a uh, you know bolt on this guy a couple times, call it a day. So I have I have an interesting idea for a, a battle system. So hear me out. Uh, it might take a little bit of time to explain, but I I was thinking in my head like a couple weeks back, like if I were to make my own JRPG, my own battle system, like what I wanted it would want it to be, and I think it could be a version of Final Fantasy VII's active time battle, where basically you know how there's you have a bar that's filling up, and once the bar fills up, one person can go at a time. But I was thinking what might be kind of cool is you have a party of four, and there are these meters that are building up, and all four, or you could pick any combination of your four characters to go at the same time, like almost like um, like Valkyrie profile. Like basically, each character is assigned to a button, and then you pick. You- so you so you stack their turns on top of each other instead of taking them in sequence right yeah i I almost think that would be like a cool way just to kind of like launch start launching attacks or or combo them off each other like okay you throw slow and then i'm gonna throw poison then i'm gonna follow up with a big attack and like like one thing that final fantasy 15 is doing that's really interesting is spells are like interacting with the environment like if you cast ice like the area around you gets all like cold and misty and stuff like that so yeah i love that like i'm almost thinking like you throw, you have like a spell that's like, like gas or blind or something like that, and you throw fire, and it, like the fire continues to burn, like, f- like does more damage and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could think of a million cool combos like that. Just, just off adding the top combos, of my head. like kind of almost even like uh, Radiant Historia did this really nicely, where you can stack characters' turns similarly but not quite like you described. And so one guy will have uh, like an upwards attack that'll knock an enemy in the air, and then your second guy will use a downwards attack where you'll leap in the air and like spike him into the ground, kind of Dragon Ball Z style. Mm. I could picture like a million different combos like that. Or if you use like a freeze spell, like different from ice, where it like, gives them the frozen status effect, then like if somebody casts like a strong enough physical attack, you can shatter them or something if it's in the same turn. Ooh, yeah. like, crit them. Or, yeah, or. You know, I could think of a bunch of different stuff like that, but that's a huge idea. Because, like, just think of, like, uh, Element... This isn't a JRPG, but Element TD is, like, one of the most popular tower defense games of all time. What makes it so addictive is the ability to combine the elements, like, however you want. If you grab, like, what happens if I grab a dark, a light, and a fire? And then it's, like, it creates this really unique thing, just, like, based on how creative you're feeling at the time. And it's, like, if you could incorporate that into a Final Fantasy system somehow, like, that could just be huge yeah it sounds like a uh, magica which was sort of like a diablo like game where you just had eight or nine different spell types hotkeyed uh mm-hmm. and then you could combo them in however way you want and they would make new abilities uh so yeah i think that would be kind of cool so i think i think what we've decided it's not s- straight up real time but it's not turn-based it's almost like active time but you can all go at the same time i mean is that something we can kind of yeah, on I mean, board with? obviously, kind of like the nuts and bolts of it, like, we can't iron out here. But I think I'm getting a feel for what you're saying, and I'm on board with it. Like, I like the freedom to be able to choose who and what goes when, kind of. Like, especially being able to stack them on top of each other to create, like, compound effects. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that kind of, like, mathematics, like, when I'm trying to plan out a turn, is what takes it from being, like, a turn-based strategy to me to being, like, a living, breathing battle system. Right. Um, which is obviously our goal here exactly anything else you wanted to add nick no um whenever i think of battle systems you're gonna hate me for this what do you think i think of yeah i I said at the beginning the tales remake no oh what trails of cold steel oh (laughs) 
I love how that game is like so recent, but it's already just like become your new like game. I just like like outlook on life. Like you just see everything through the, the lens of that. I'm not faulting you yeah. for that. It's, it's just it's, like it's, it's crazy how it's, it's really it weird. Yeah, it's like man, it's rare to see someone gravitate so strongly towards a game like that. Like if anything's gonna inspire me to play it, it's just that fact alone. It's just high level. All right, like yeah, high level. Ba- the high level battles of that game just intense. All right. Nice. Well, we're not going to get into that, but <laughs> <laughs> it just—it's like it does—it does Taylor's thing where you could combo into things and stuff, sure. stuff like that. So yeah. that's what I'm looking for. And uh, I, I love the idea. We could throw this in there. I guess maybe already kind of described it, but I guess this is just how we would do it. Is like kind of like in Trails of Cold Steel when your character's taking a turn and you get like uh, maybe I'm getting this wrong just because I haven't played it as much as you, but like you can basically just click a button to have uh, the character next to you like just do a combo attack where they like run up and like do a combo with you and it's like i don't know never mind that's not that's not trails of cold steel that was uh shadow hearts covenant oh okay well i do like a lot of the the characteristics of that game that are skill-based where you have to like hit a rotating wheel or like do a time-based like little mini game to execute certain attacks like that way you can't just sleepwalk your way through battles Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But that's neither. You know, here nor we, go, we gotta think. We gotta think. We gotta think like Square Enix. We can't. We can't reinvent yeah, the wheel. Yeah, exactly. We're not gonna go crazy here. But uh, I think. I think the battle system that we kind of outlined there. I think that's not outside the realm of reason for something that they would try. I mean, it's it's creative, but they've shown in the past that they're very willing to try really unique things like that. It, it almost kind of sounds like what what they were doing with 13 but just with a little bit more depth because like that system was all about like swapping out classes and let uh, like picking actions on the fly and there was a lot of combos but i, I don't i think ours has a little bit more depth and yeah, strategy to it depth. maybe slow it down just like a tiny bit too you know yeah so it's not as blistering um okay number so four story uh, what do you want to focus on so i kind of like this idea of so it is a normal fantasy world, and whether whether that is something crashes from space or we come across this like magical hidden city of ultra technology, like yeah, like some under under sea cavern or something, or all right. So we got to pull up Final Fantasy, and we got to make it so the main religion is it's trying to hide the fact of this ancient civilization, and they're corrupting. <laughs> all right. And, and the main character is a heretic, Yes, right? exactly. He's the, he's the son of an aristocrat. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're like, man, this is sounding pretty good. We're getting all, all these sweet-ass ideas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I love the the idea of a really like uh, medieval civilization like stumbling upon futuristic uh, elements. And then, obviously, that has like disastrous or just you know really impactful... like. Uh, would it consequences cr- on their world? Would it have that's a, where the action of the games comes from? Would it create like a divide between something, or would it be like, or maybe like the the old school people have to like band together to de- defend the homeland? Nerds, that I don't know. That doesn't. Hmm. But anyways, I think like it's because if we're gonna stick with like a super like fantasy oriented like basis, kind of like we said before, I think like a uh, classic, you know. A little bit of romance, kind of like Final Fantasy IX. Like that's just when I think of really uh, old school games, like fantasy style, and I think of like Garnet and Zidane. I don't know, like that would be awesome. So th- this is like totally 
counter to everything we just said, but I just wanted to bring this up because I'd probably be remiss not to. But there was a demo that came out basically at the beginning of this current generation uh, called Agni's Philosophy, which which was a more or less a tech uh, like a engine demo for Square to be like, hey, here's what our games are going to look like this gen, and it was um, it was kind of this female like sorceress. Uh, in like a post-apocalyptic type world, and it was it looked like an action RPG where she could like cast spells on the fly, and the the world was really neat. And I'm always thinking like that would kind of be a cool idea too to have it be like like because Final Fantasy hasn't really de- dealt with the idea of like post-apocalyptic stuff. It's usually like trying to stop it. So it'd be kind of interesting if like maybe the idea is you know that we did already discover this you know this advanced civilization and there was a giant war and now it's like the remnants of the war and you're trying to just build the world back up or something like that it's classic. Still, or, it's still or, medieval yeah and it's or, still medieval yeah or society has come to a point like harnessing the new futuristic technology that like uh they're like destroying the the world kind of like draw a parallel to like you know how humankind is today like become parasitic to the planet and like because that's, I mean, one of the important jobs of, like, games is to, like, be art. And I'm not saying they have to, like, have a message or something. But, like, yeah. to also make you feel something about the state of our world today, like, would be, like, important to me as someone who's in charge of making the game. So I wouldn't the, make so, it, like, a focus, but to definitely, you know, kind of slide it in there. Yeah, so, let, so the thing is, is the new technology is sucking the life out of the planet. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was kind of, as I was saying it, I was like, damn it, it kind of sounds like Final Fantasy VII. I kind of, I, I like that, um... But but, uh, but that's different because it's not like, hmm, okay, <laughs> okay, I'm in a corner now. <laughs> I mean, you could re- you could use these. I, I like the idea where it's like the, the new technology is actually hurting the planet, and we got to figure out a way. Like, and um, the people who are using it are actually abusing the power, like the the technology. And they're mm. called Shinra. Yeah, they're called Shinra. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, like the, anyway, mo- and, then, and then you it's find so these. So hard to come up with plots. And then, the fly. wow. And with this technology, there's these like multiple orbs, <laughs> and they're all possessed by certain demons. Mm-hmm, and there's mm-hmm. these talking swords. Okay. okay. That you uh, could- uh, original idea. I'm liking where you're going. Okay. Yeah. So is the running joke here that we're coming up with ideas that already exist? Nick? Yeah. No, you're, no, knocking, no. you're knocking out. Of the oh park. my gosh! Sorry, guys. <laughs> we're constantly getting all these update sounds. Um. But uh, I do like the the idea of maybe throwing in classic elements like, okay, the world has these crystals or something, or maybe we have to find these crystals. There's like a legend of crystals, and the crystals can help fight back against this ancient technology. So maybe it's almost like it's t- it was almost like two old technologies fighting against each other. Now Nick's laughing his head off for some reason. we got to find the spirits, and the spirits are going to save the world. Oh, he's thinking of tales, but this is Final Fantasy. I want to make... I wanna make- Moogles, like the main that spirit. That would be dope. The I mean, main Moogles, spirit. Moogles and Chocobos, like, let's be honest, they're like 40% of why Final Fantasy rules. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, by the way, guys, this is of absolutely no value to a podcast listener whatsoever, but I found the most adorable piece of fan art from Final Fantasy IX where it's VV like, laying on, uh, like, the forest floor, and he has a little, he's, like, cuddling with a little baby Chocobo. Nice. It's like the most adorable goddamn thing I've ever seen. So I made it in my phone background. I just thought you guys would appreciate that. Nice. nice. I'll have to look that up after. Actually, uh, yeah. If you want to see it, I just typed in uh, VV art like in Google Images, and it was like the fourth thing. I was like, Dawes. 
Sweet. But uh, anyways. So the story, I want it to be like a political plot with <laughs> there's too many stuff we could do. Yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, with the plot stuff, we're not going to like come to a consensus on this. So this, we're just throwing out ideas. Yeah. But I think that's the general over like concept, right? Is like there's, it's like new technology clashing with uh, like a a world that is it's too young for this technology. Yeah, they don't know right. What to do too with innocent. It. Yeah, because well, uh, something occurred to me, and that's kind of like we've been really harping on this whole like fantasy versus sci-fi kind of thing that you know final fantasy is always balancing on and i'm I'm kind of thinking like the fantasy elements are always kind of more like heartwarming you know it's like brightly colored with like nice you know old like tavern music and stuff you know kind of just like nice generally more uplifting and then like the futuristic elements are always kind of more darker and dystopian and more corrupt you know and it's like like think of final fantasy 7 it's like that game you start out and you're like, it's hyper futuristic. You're in like this factory city, you know, and it's like corporations and all this evil crap. But it's like thinking Final Fantasy IX, it's all fantasy. And you start out and, you know, you're putting on a play and kidnapping the princess. And it's like, it's all really lighthearted. So it's like, mm-hmm. we can kind of use those elements of like innocence versus like corruption and entropy and then kind of like, you know, kind of harp on those, like the light versus dark by using those two as like representing them kind of like the old versus the new where the new is like trying to, uh, you know, like take the planet for everything it's got or trying to, you know, hurt people. And the old style just wants to like everybody to be happy and whatnot. All that nice stuff. It's a culmination of every story in final fantasy ever to be the (laughs) ultimate final fantasy. (laughs) This is the final fantasy. No, it's not hey, called, this is this is hard, all right. We're going on the fly. Here. It's not yeah. called Final Fantasy sixteen. It's just called the Final Fantasy. The Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, one, one element I I would like to have that's not really been a staple in Final Fantasy per se, but is one of my favorite things in in any Final Fantasy game is like a hub for mini games. Like there has to be some type of like medieval fair where you can go and like do all these mini games and get like the best items in the game or like Mm -hmm. you get an item and then you can take that item and sell it to somebody or whatever like i i it needs mini games like you know exactly eight eight nine had the card games ten had blitz ball seven had the gold saucer like there just needs to be mini games they have to be engaging too because there are such thing as like not good mini games we're like you know what this sucks i don't want to do this yeah Totally. Uh, I mean, Final Fantasy has a pretty good track record with mini games being consistently fun, but there have been some clunkers mixed in there. But, uh, but you know, hey, if we're the directors, then they're going to kick ass, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, how you like them apples? Cool. All right, what's next on the list? That's pretty much it. The well, shoot. Uh, so wow. it's going to be Hiroyuki making a fantasy game, fan, uh, making a fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. With a combo uh, centric battle system that's sort of it's it's ATB but sort of real time at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, possibly like elementally based. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be like the elementals that exist in every Final Fantasy, but as far as like combining stuff and creating new attacks and stuff. And then the story is a medieval world gets hit with futuristic technology, and it's. Comes the, in contact with, yeah, we'll put it that way. Comes in contact with and is messing things up and you got to fix it. 
somehow Bef- before the innocence is uh, becomes corrupted by the greed of power. There you go. Boom. And then obviously we'll incorporate the classic elements like Mog- Moogles and Chocobos and Cactuars as we see fit. Oh, and uh, just to be clear, that's the overarching theme, but you best believe if I'm directing this game, we're going to be getting much more introspective than that. We're going to be getting metaphysical on that ass. So you better be getting ready to think about philosophy and existence and all that cool stuff. Exactly. Why do I exist? (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, that was an awesome... Uh, He's just a clone the whole time. Sorry. (laughs) No, that was a cool topic. uh, That uh, that was a fun little exercise to try to make our own... On the spot. Director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Doing it on the fly was was brutal. You Probably know, sounded like fools, but uh, time I, liked your, I liked the summary at the end. I feel like you did, you did a pretty succinct job with that. Thank you. And that's why making games is hard, yep. and they take like <laughs> four or five years. Yeah, and that's why they don't happen in 30 minutes on a podcast over <laughs> Skype. <laughs> but you know, you know, uh, yeah, that was an awesome fan question. I appreciate the... Uh, the exhaustive level of detail and uh thanks for listening thanks for the love man and be sure to send us more yeah absolutely if you guys if any of you have questions for us go ahead uh, and email us at askgiantsword at gmail.com uh we'll answer them on we'll have we'll have a segment on everybody yes or just tweet that ass on the twitter <laughs> oh yeah um yeah and thanks alexander we shall be ending now <laughs> <laughs> Well, he did a beautiful swan dive, and then he uh, belly flopped at the end. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Splash. And we shall end our thing <laughs> now at yeah. this and present this second. It's, it's concludes the. Um, hmm. What was it again? I was just hmm. thinking of like you know podcast. <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at LSG Channel. Follow us on Facebook at. Slash Last Honest Gamers and YouTube at Slash Honest Gamers. And we're on, dudes. We're also on iTunes as well, so to search Giant Sword Podcast and we'll be there. Be the first one. Thanks for watching, listening, not watching. <laughs> it's late at night, Boogly. guys. Boogly. <laughs>